welcome to episode 46 of the Half Point Fruit Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, joined by Dalton Willie and producer Johnny Pham. And guys, week one is finally in the books. We had we have we have a lot to digest, I think, after that week. Jameis Winston's on pace for like 85 touchdowns. I think Aaron Jones might score 75 points uh, this whole season. Aaron Rodgers was the QB, I think, 35. 39. 39. Maybe it depends on the scoring format. I heard 35 elsewhere. The the bottom line is he ranked below. uh, There's only 32 teams. So, like, he he, he ranked below, obviously, Justin Fields and Trey Lance, both. uh, And Marcus Mariota. And, yep, Mariota with his one read option. I'm actually looking at it right now, see if we can nail it down exactly. He was, oh, I'm looking at everybody. Okay, it's going to take me a minute. We'll circle back to that. But we've got. Some stock report. We did this last year, doing it again. Basically, what we're going to do is we just go through and we have a couple guys, Dalton, who we are a little bit higher on and we feel a little worse on after week one. But the big picture assumption is it's still just week one. So for the most part, try really hard not to completely change your opinion and think that's forever after one week. It's just a good data point to start with. And, you know, speaking of data points, uh, I, I think Dalton, you had a rant you wanted to go on about a coach who doesn't want to give us very many data points in, in San Francisco. Correct. I mean, if you want to talk about just data points, there's no data coming out of San Francisco, nothing that comes out of Kyle Shanahan's mouth. You can just remotely trust anymore. Uh, starting way back with the Mac Jones stuff and him just letting that ride for the fun of it uh, until he traded for Trey Lance. And now I know that a lot of people probably spent like 50 to 60% of their fab on Elijah Mitchell just based off of what I was seeing on Twitter and people's expert recommendations. It's probably not going to work out in your favor at this point. Uh, it's Kyle Shanahan, and I just have the worst feeling inside of me that he is going to continue to rotate these backs. And this is when last week I think Elijah Mitchell was one of my super deep sleepers I was talking yep. about. Um, this is just not a guy that you can trust. Brandon Ayuk has a 950-yard season on what – or sorry, 750-yard season in 12 games and is not ready to be a pro? I just – I don't understand it. You get in yeah. this guy's doghouse and you never get out. I mean, it, it seems like to Dante it, Pettis. It, yeah, I, I think this is probably a different situation from Pettis because uh, Ayuk is actually a more accomplished player and just a more heralded guy in general than, than Pettis at this point in their careers. But yeah, it really seems like the, the Shanahan way is uh, especially with the young guys to, to motivate them, to prod them publicly and through playing time or lack thereof um, to, to motivate them. And that's how he feels that helps them compete for their spot, helps them be- make be better in the long run. I guess. I don't know. It's, I made the comment to you earlier today. It's just super annoying. I don't know why I, every year, you know, I had Ayuk on, I think, my breakout list, looking real great through one week. Yeah, uh, all zero points. Yeah, all, all zero points of Ayuk, uh, one of the few that Aaron Rodgers outscored this week. Well, then he just flat lies to us and tells us because he's injured. But you put Ayuk back on punt returns, you're putting a player with an injured hamstring in on punt returns. It's just – it's not fathomable. It's just – it's horse. Yeah, it it's frustrating. It's not I, – I, I didn't mention Ayuk in the stock up, stock down because I knew that we were going to be probably talking about him off the jump here. What I'd say about Ayuk is that you're not trading him absolutely off a of zero point. I, I even messaged uh, the Ayuk 
owner in our dynasty league just to see, just to see. And that 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 was a quick no. You're not trading him after a zero week. You're not cutting him, a- absolutely. But you're not starting him. He has to play his way back into your lineup. And that doesn't necessarily mean he has to have a, a 15-point game. But we just need to see him on the field, running routes, in somewhat uh, a, a semblance of the role that he had last year and that we projected him to have this year, right? I mean, you just, you can't roll A-roll. out there. Yeah, just a, a- roll. Yeah, a roll. That would be nice. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm totally with you on the uh, Elijah Mitchell stuff. It's funny. Uh, is it Trent Cannon? Trenton Canyon? Cannon? Mm-hmm. I'm already I can't remember his first name, but Cannon. He I, I'm a Raheem Mostert uh, owner in our dynasty league, so I'm I'm hurting after week one. Obviously, Mostert out for the season. I saw Cannon get picked up today, and I scrambled to the app. I was like, all right, who can I who what what should I pick up can who should I drop? I was like, wait, what am I doing? Like, this guy's gonna be on special teams. He'll have like two weeks where he plays. It's just it's Kittle and it's maybe a quarterback. And then you're just kind of guessing every week, even with the the most talented guys like Debo and Iuke, it feels like there. Yeah, well, and I have Jermichael Hasty, and I know there's gonna be two or three weeks where he probably gets 20 carries. Yeah, and, and I don't and, start him. Yeah, and just, you're you're not gonna get anything out of it. That's right. No, and Jeffrey Wilson's probably back in seven, seven-ish weeks or six-ish mm-hmm. weeks from now. So I, that whole backfield is just going to be muddled. And I'm sure Trey Sermon's going to go off this week. If you are in a league where someone dropped Trey Sermon, yes. I would recommend picking him up for very little because that I think there's more to it. All offseason, the beat reporters were saying that he was the guy. He was the guy right behind Mostert. Yeah, he was and- splitting He was splitting reps at, at with the ones with, with Mostert and then – and then it's funny because then, like, as soon as this happens, uh, he, he's inactive. Ayuk barely plays. We get, like, prev- the prevailing word I see from Niners Twitter is like, oh, well, you know, yeah, like, we we kind of saw this. Like, no, you, you did not see this coming. Yeah. Like, if you saw this coming, how about you tell us before kickoff, please? Like, please. It's just, it, it's the most absurd situation I've had in fantasy. And I did run some DFS lineups out there with Trey Sermon. Uh, and I did not see the late swap because I was making <laughs> other late swaps. Uh, one of them was Donovan People Jones in for some of my Odell lineups. So it was not a fun week in DFS land. And I'm sure that's going to continue to not be a fun week. Uh, be on your swaps early. And I guess just very closely monitor uh, 49ers Twitter before kickoff every week. Yep. So that's enough about that. I, I have to say, you can go look at the newsletter. So we've got a, a new newsletter that I just kicked off this last week. Um, that's halfpointpropod.substack.com for anyone who watches back on YouTube. If you're listening to the podcast, we finally got smart and made a link tree. So just go in the description. Johnny will make sure that's in there and click that and then click the button that says newsletter and go read the, the big recap from week one talking about injuries things you should know, uh, all of that good stuff. And obviously, if you're listening to the podcast, go follow the YouTube so you can watch us live. Uh, usually Wednesday nights, it seems like it's kind of the routine at this point. But but yeah, week one of the books, we've got stock up, stock down. We've got starts and sits of the week where Dalton and I will attempt to pick two different uh, a different guy in each category. But first, Johnny, I- I've got to kick it over to you. So Johnny, as you may know, if you're listening, did – tried to do the impossible. He tried to hit a 16-team parlay where he bet all point spreads. It, it was no no over-unders, no money lines. He 
he was not a coward uh, on any of these picks. <laughs> but unfortunately, that led to a, a good result for week one, to be to I, be sure. But but it, but eight and eight, not not exactly hit hitting the parlay, unfortunately. Yeah, it wasn't off to a great start with uh, Thursday night not <laughs> yeah. covering. Yeah, the parlay we couldn't even make it to Sunday. <laughs> it was already was already part. dead. I was like, I knew this was gonna happen, but <laughs> I will say I you can blame Chris Goblin for that one. Yeah, that was yeah that fumble. That, oh, zone. I I've never sat up quicker from my couch just yelling at a player for like an unnecessary like he didn't have to score or he needed to score but it was like for my fantasy team he needed to score so i appreciate it <laughs> but uh kaylee was like why are you why are you getting so mad I was like, <laughs> the spread they're not gonna cover now you tell her i could literally win a hundred and fifty six thousand dollars after after i told her that she's like well we lost on the first day i was like all righty <laughs> this is this is good support but so I, with, with that in mind give us some of your favorite week two lines Ooh, some week two lines i just had them up here i think i really like chiefs minus three and a half against the ravens and my second one is I'm hoping Tampa Bay just gets their just gets their act together because I think they should be able to cover minus eleven and a half yeah, against the, the Falcons. The, Fal- the Falcons you looked very bad last week. They did look very bad, but the thing is, Tampa Bay can also look bad and only win by ten or seven. Mm-hmm. Like they just because another shocker was the Lions covering covering plus nine and a half. That yeah, was absolutely that was absolutely absurd. I, it, it, it was forty one seventeen with like four and a half minutes that's left. That's what I thought. It was an absolute lot, but that's how I feel. You the would think Bay that, yeah. One, one would definitely think that for sure. But I would say I think this is like the I don't know if I just haven't watched NFL football in a while, but every single primetime game was just a good game to watch. Like Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night were all just great. Cause you yep. just like by halftime, you're like, oh, I'm just gonna go to bed. It's like eleven o'clock. Let's let's call call a night early, watch some Netflix. But showing our age there. <laughs> oh, people know it's all right. Everyone well, feels like this. And and Monday, I didn't even mention this off the top, but <laughs> Monday might have been like the craziest, wildest game I have ever seen yeah. in my life. It, it car inexplicably what are you doing a hard count on the half half yard line for? God, if, you was... get an, if you get an offside what are you gonna run a free play there's no free play when it's qb sneak and, yeah. and, and if they jump off sides what do you get a quarter of a yard wow that does not seem worth it to me and, and then of course he he's i mean sneed yeah it, it looks bad but also it bounces off his helmet but car threw that thing like a hundred miles an hour like yeah no one was buying too ball. he's like just yeeted it over to him. Well, what was the, I think it was after Lamar Jackson fumble. They like panned their car, hugging Darren. Yeah. Yeah. You can just see the relief yeah, off his head. He's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that, that was just so great. That was a great game to watch. And how do you lose if you're a perennial Super Bowl contender to the Raiders in week one is a whole nother question. That's another red flag. Well, the, the Ravens have a pretty questionable offensive line, at least right now. It seems like, um, the running backs, I think, are an issue. I think it kind of hampered their offense a little bit. They weren't able to really L- – Lamar didn't really have hardly any, like, read options where he kept the ball. You know why? Because Tyson Williams was trying to – literally, Tyson Williams was trying to take the ball from the best player literally every play. He, he did not understand. Um, sometimes the, the quarterback keeps this ball, but he, he was not getting that. Hard to say if that's why he – 
he didn't get benched because he was in there on the last play where Lamar got stripped, but he, he definitely did not play a lot in the third and fourth. Yeah, Mur- Murray was kind of the guy getting mo- more of the carries. And then you've got Harbaugh saying to that, oh, we're going to use everybody, which is yeah. – well, there's a lot of guys there right now. So, Well, Latavius Murray looked like a guy who should have gotten cut by the Saints when he had the ball in his hands for yep. what it's worth. Yeah, but, hey, if he can not try and take the bar- ball from Lamar and not force a, a fumble – uh, on a read option, that is probably more valuable than what Tyson can do, even if he's the better player. All I know is that Tyson wasn't the one that fumbled the game away. He wasn't, but <laughs> he uh, he arguably could have made a block that prevented the game from being fumbled away, too. Or Lamar could have just given him the ball. Best player well, on the field right there, Tyson Williams. Book it. Lamar Jackson got figured out. That's what the whole well, NFL media was talking yeah, about. Okay. It. He's been figured out. I will say there, there, there might be a little something to Lamar and the and the crunch time stuff. Uh, I will not, also say not that he got figured out though. Chiefs three and a half. Ravens had to travel back across the country. Didn't get a practice day because of yeah, the overtime game. A short week, and then Wednesday. That Wednesday is going to be their first practice. Uh, and Villanueva looks like he's going to get absolutely murdered by Chris Jones if he let Max Crosby do that to him. Well, and, uh, and the the Chiefs are a full go with everybody in practice this week. It yeah. seems like, uh, and like Hollywood Brown, did, 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 were we even aware that he got hurt or was banged up? He apparently missed practice day with an ankle. Yep. So, like, I assume he'll probably play, but given their situation at receiver, you don't like that. Uh, yeah. A- a- anyway, so those two lines for Johnny. I think I think we can move on to to stock up, stock down. And I don't know about you, Dalton. I tried really, really, really hard not to overreact to week one, but I couldn't not put Jalen Hurts in my stock up. I'm curious if if he's on yours too. <laughs> I really put him here because I thought you weren't going to put him here. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yes, Jalen Hurts is in my stock up. So Johnny Johnny mentioned it right off, right off the top here. Falcons looked really bad last week. Now it could just be one terrible game, but they, they looked very bad. People thought they could be good but they're probably bad. The story of the Falcons every or year, it seems are like. Um, Hertz finished with a 9% completion percentage above expectation last year, which was one of the worst in the NFL. Matt Harmon had that stat. And in this game, there was nothing lucky or fluky about what he was doing. It, he played, he did everything you would have wanted him to do. Yeah, it may not have been the most challenging game script by any means, although he did make a few nice plays at the end of the first half to to give them some distance and score that touchdown. There is one play specifically that stood out to me on an RPO where he led Miles Sanders to the right, pulled it back, and then he threw it across on a screen pass to Rager that ended up being a touchdown. That just looked like he knew the playbook really well. Was that and, that so that that was like the put away, right? That was right yeah. after that was like with four minutes left. Yeah. And to know that they're running RPOs, because I know in the offseason Nick Sirianni was acting like he didn't really have any faith in running them. That really, really helps Jalen Hurts' game because now they can really use his legs, which he obviously has, to help uh, make them easier passes and get those receivers open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, twenty-seven of thirty-five for two sixty-four and three. He—I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but he was somewhere between fifty and sixty rushing yards. And you know, you're going to get the rushing if you get the passing. Where, you know, last year he had some passing games that by the numbers looked okay, but I test it, it was not. 
Yeah, I te- I test was good and it, it looked different this year. Now we'll see if that lasts. I mean, you know, the, the Jaguars won a game in week one last year, and they they have not won since then. They 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 still haven't won since that game. So it's not to say this is forever, but if I were doing ranks this week, I think I'd have him firmly inside my top twelve, which is not where I had him pre-draft. And I even mentioned, but Devonta Smith just. His ability to always be open, it seems like, at least so far. And I think that's, that's what he profiled as, so that's why I expect him to kind of be. That should be very helpful to a team that had basically nobody at receiver last year. And if those two tight ends can stay healthy, it's not going to be great for them fantasy-wise, but it's great for, for Hurts. Yeah, well, that's what I wrote down, is he does have a lot of weapons. I mean, so we talked about Quintez Cephas being a guy we liked a lot. Or sorry, Quez Watkins, not Quintez mm-hmm. Cephas. Um and what was really weird is we thought that Jalen Rieger had played himself down to the third wide receiver in that offense. <clears throat> and for the first three plays, uh, Watkins got all, all three targets. I mean, it looked like he was really going to be the wide receiver too. And then the rest of the game, Jalen Rieger played above him. I don't know if the coaching staff didn't like what they saw or if Nick Sirianni is pulling over some of those tendencies from the Colts where they would really rotate wide receivers. Mm-hmm. But we coming into the NFL last year, Jalen Rieger was a yards after catch guy as well. And so you put him and Devonta Smith, who are two yak guys, and what they're doing is they're just having Hurts throw these easy, low dot throws and letting the wide receivers work it open. Of all quarterbacks last week, he had the most yards after the catch in his passing yards, mm-hmm. which you could say is a bad thing, but the weapons in this offense really lend themselves to letting him do that kind of play calling. And then Gainwell, yeah, big surprise that he was playing with the first because we yeah, didn't thought, think he was thought, going to. Austin Scott was like special teams, and I yeah. think he got one carry. And then credit where credit is due, uh, Miles Sanders looked – I thought that was one of the better games he's played that, I, that I've watched. I thought he looked pretty good. Yeah, well, and that offensive line looked really good for what mm-hmm. it's worth. That Falcons uh, defensive line just didn't look good like the rest of the team, so that might be a part of it. But, yeah. I mean, I am hesitantly you know, excited about this, and the Eagles' schedule is really pretty light over the next couple of games, so Jalen Hurts could really solidify himself. I saw a couple of guys saying he's kind of locked into a top five uh, QB every week already. I don't necessarily believe that. He was one of the guys outside of my top 12 too, just like mm-hmm. Evan. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say he's locked into that, but I would say he. I can now more easily see the path to him being like a top five to eight quarterback uh, yeah. this season than, than I could before the season for sure. And the Niners, you know, it sounds like a scary matchup and it could be a not great matchup, but the, the front seven is good. The secondary, though, I mean, they just lost Jason Verrett, and it already wasn't that strong to begin with. So, you know, another chance for him to to kind of prove his passing medal against a not a not great secondary. So we'll, we'll see what he can do. Yeah, I think it's week six. They play the Cowboys, and that game, I I have Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts in our dynasty league, and I think I'm going to start Jalen Hurts no matter no matter. I don't know who Josh Allen plays, but I think that's when they play the Chiefs, actually. Yeah, I'm going to start Jalen Hurts then. Make my life a lot easier. <laughs> we might get the Josh Allen later in the show. Uh, who, who's your second are. guy? I already prepared for that. Who's your second guy? Uh, my second stock report is actually two players, and it's the Colts running backs, namely Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor. The reason for that is because it looks like the tendencies of Phillip Rivers are carrying over for Car- to Carson Wentz, for better or for worse. Uh, last year, the Colts were second to last in targeting wide receivers. In week one, the Colts were last in targeting their wide receivers, and they were first in targeting their running backs. Uh, Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines led the team in targets with eight and nine. And, I mean, 
this team's going to be from behind so often. And that offensive line looked pretty suspect against a not great Eagles pass rush. And the that, reason for that. The, the Seahawks, you mean. But yeah, and that, yeah that's, that's what I was going to say is, you know, we'll see if that gets better. But yeah, the offensive line did not look good week one. And that could partially be responsible for, for some of the, the dump downs. We'll, we'll see if that changes or not. Well, part of the reason is he was 31st out of 32 quarterbacks in time to throw. And we know Carson Wentz has this problem where he holds the ball and he tries to make plays happen. Mm -hmm. And that's what he was doing. And then by time, nothing would develop downfield. He would check down to one of his backs. Um, A lot of my early concern with Jonathan Taylor was that he would get game scripted out. The, The Colts were never in this game, but they kept him in and they kept him in the passing game. So I really think him and Naheem Hines are going to be startable all season long. Taylor obviously has a high, high upside. Naheem Hines doesn't. But I don't think the Eagles are going to be ahead in a lot of games. And with their issues, <laughs> the Colts, you, I'm sorry I, for the Colts. Sorry, I just Jalen Hurts <laughs> talked to this, but the Colts are not going to be up in a lot of games. And I mean, when it comes to playmaking, if Michael Pittman can't beat this Seahawks secondary, it, it really brings into question what receivers they're going to have who can do something that's going to to generate more targets because I think targets are a stat that lend themselves to skill. And if you're not getting targets from your quarterback, you're probably not doing something right. And the two getting the targets are Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor on these little dump offs that are bad for real football, but they are a huge point for fantasy land. I feel great about Jonathan Taylor. The The caution I would throw out there about Naheem Hines is this is exactly how we started last year with, uh, yeah. with a great week one. Uh, everyone went and spent on him. He was like the the clear-cut number one waiver guy after week one last year. And it's not that he wasn't good for other, you know, other games last year, but it was not consistent. It was not that consistent flex type of guy that you would hope that you would think of a guy in that role. It was 20 points, three points, 15 points, four points. So I'm going to give it a little more time for Heinz. I'm to see it more. But for, yeah, for Jonathan Taylor, I mean, when you watch him play, it just kind of, it makes, I think I, I had him ranked fairly high, but he had been a guy that had crept down my rankings as the injuries were piling up there preseason. It, it makes you feel, it makes you feel silly just watching him play, knowing like, why, why was I moving this guy? He, he's just such a good player. He, he's so good. And if he's getting peppered with targets too, I mean, that just helps him even more, obviously. While we're on the subject of the AFC South, um, fun game. Which team wins it? <laughs> the Titans, the Colts, uh, the Jaguars, or the Texans? Who who would you feel? Mo- would it be the Colts you'd feel the best putting your money on? I still think it's the Colts. I think if you looked, um, I don't have their schedule in front of me. I'll try and pull it up right now. I know the Colts have a very tough early yeah, season Yeah, their first schedule. like seven games are very unfriendly. So it was like I kind of expected them to start slow and and have to dig themselves out of a hole but i i guess the colts because i we we all had some concerns uh we we were all not feeling like great about the titans but it was just kind of like i i don't know if i can get myself to say the colts i i I don't know i i'm still not sure i've been thinking about that too though it's like well maybe the texans can win six games (laughs) i mean this is a potential division where you i mean it's a seven eight win team i guess with the new slate that makes the playoffs i feel like they, they do not look good. I mean, the Colts are probably going to get schlacked next week against the Rams. Then they play the Titans, which will be battle of the horrible teams. Then they play the Dolphins, who look like a better team. Then the Ravens. And they get the Texans. But then they go against the Niners, 
I mean, they play the Bills later in the season, the Cardinals, the Bucks, the Patriots. Even the Raiders look like a better team than the Colts did. Yeah, well, the uh... we'll, we'll, we'll see on the Raiders too. Raiders still. Yeah, well, attending. I know what the Raiders are, and they play two or three good games a year, and then that's it. <laughs> Last year, the Chiefs were one of the victims. The the Colts are plus one forty right now to win the AFC South. Who? God. Yeah. I, Titans I, are I, minus one hundred five, but I, the Titans I, after that performance, wow. I still don't think I'm touching. Uh, Touching that. All right. My second guy. So this is a guy that Dalton and I mentioned that you're probably not going to like a couple of mine. I, I feel like this is probably one, but, but we'll see here. So Deandre Swift, and he's probably my biggest mover either way. Um, if I were redoing my ranks, you know, I had him RB 16. So I even had him higher than I think consensus. And, and I know higher than, than you had him. I think he'd probably be like 13th RB 13 rest of season which you know three spots doesn't sound like a lot but 12 to 13 is a is a big jump when you're talking about the types of guys that that are in that neighborhood and the reason why is his receiving role I I mean I know our questions and and even mine too even though I liked him more the the upside just because of lack of touchdowns I I don't think they're going to score that many points probably ever again the rest of the season um but the upside because of lack of touchdowns in their overall offense was a concern, still is. And then just game script. You know, you've got, you've got Jamal Williams who can catch the ball. Like, well, is DeAndre Swift is going to get game scripted out of these games? But you look at that team, I think it's the running backs, and I think it's Hawkinson. That's the, And it's Hawkinson and then the running backs as far as, like, order of best pass catchers. And then you get to the receivers. I think they're going to have to throw their backs because they're, just, they're, they're their second and third best guys in the receiving game. He ran a route on 68% of the Lions passing plays on Sunday per Dwayne McFarland on Twitter. So if you look at PPR finishes for running backs between 60 and 70% of, of routes run and at least four on at least 40% of attempts since 2011, you've got RB 16, RB three, RB four, RB five, RB nine, one, three, five, one, two, three, nine, three, one. That, that's also Dwayne McFarlane put that out on Twitter. So it's not to say he's like for sure top 10 or anything, but I just think it gives him an upside that he didn't have even, you know, two weeks ago before, before we saw this. And again, the game script was perfect for this to kind of happen. If it were going to in this game, they were getting killed. They were throwing the ball a million times and the Niners were seemingly inexplicably letting them come back. But I, I just, I think both guys are going to have value I, you're not going to see both guys have 20 plus points every week like they had last week. Uh, and, and Swift is the guy who can win you weeks. I, I just feel a lot better about Swift than I did a couple weeks ago. I'll just say that. Yeah. Well, and there are a lot of people because Swift's been kind of a detriment in the, a big argument in the fantasy community about whether or not there are people doing victory laps, but I call Jamal Williams a sleeper and he's RB two yep. on the week and outscored <laughs> Swift. And you could get him at a it, it, it was it was it was like half a point, but yes. But I know, but that's all I'm saying. No, and, I know. I just and, think like it, it, if we're ta- like for the season, I I think Swift like Williams is is like fine. I think Swift is. We both agree. We've we've said as much privately, at least. Like on a different team, that guy's a top twelve fantasy back. Oh, absolutely. Like, he's one of the more talented guys in the NFL. Yeah, I would so, swap him and Ceh right now. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. 
But, I mean, my concern is they ran the most plays of any team in the NFL last week. I just don't think that's how Dan Campbell and Anthony Lynn want to play. And, I, I mean, anybody who watched that game is going to walk away and say, that game does not feel like if you play it 10 times out of 10, that's how the outcome gets. And, I, I mean, it just feels like Kyle Shanahan got off the – like just let his foot off the brake and that that defense really just reared back and let the them have anything in front of them in that fourth quarter and that it really worked in the favor of a lot of the Lions players. Now, if they come out and do that in week two against uh, the Green Bay Packers, then we have a different conversation going on. Well, but the it, Packers are not exactly known for their run defense the last couple of years. They, and well, right now, the Lions they're not are gonna, known for being a team. That's well, good it, right now. I, I, think, I think they're probably going to destroy the Lions on Monday. But if the Lions are going to stay at that game, um, they should probably try to have long, sustained drives where they also score touchdowns. Hard to do, but you do it by by feeding your your running backs. I would say that too. Um, and then another thing, I mean, I think it was like 60% of their passing yards came in the fourth quarter of that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, their offense did not look good through three quarters. And then the fourth quarter, it looked pretty good. So I'm, I'm still, I do, I mean, it doesn't look like I'm going to eat some desserts on De- DeAndre Swift and him not being a total bust, but that offense still scares me a lot. And I want to see how it performs as the season goes on. Yep. No, it's fair. I just, the, the targets, I, they're not going to be what they were. Like he saw 11 targets, most of anybody on the team. It's not going to be that, but just the fact that he was, he was running routes on, you know, almost 70% of their passing plays. And so he, he's going to be a highly targeted guy, not to that extent, but I think we can both agree. He's going to be a highly targeted guy. Just, just based on that. It doesn't even have to, it, the volume's not going to be the same, but, but yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm feeling a lot better about, about Swift and, and we will see. Hopefully, hopefully the Lions don't prove me wrong. I love love being in that camp. But but who? Okay. Now on to the negatives. I'll let you start. I think you already know who my first one is at this point. But I'm curious. Yes. Do, you, do, you, do you have Josh Allen on yours? It, was he no, on yours this no. week? No. Could never do uh, that to him, huh? No. I mean, I think that one. We, we could talk about that one in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first one is Derrick Henry, and by extension, the entire Titans offense. Mm-hmm. Um, so. The Titans last year were good because they ran play action and they were they managed to stay in close game scripts so they could run the game they wanted to run. And what we saw on Sunday was a complete departure from that philosophy with Arthur Smith leaving. So they ran a NFL low 5% play action rate. Last year, they were highest in the NFL in play action rate. And that is really what made those EU throws for Tannehill. And Going on that, they had the second highest pressure rate on the adjusted blitz percentage. Obviously, they're going to have that when Chandler Jones absolutely dominates. Uh, yeah, uh, not, not not a great day for Taylor Lewan. No. And, I mean, part of getting the blitz off you is running play action. But this is the doomsday scenario for anybody who drafted Derrick Henry, yep. which is their defense is not good. And we've talked about it for a year, how we don't think their defense can repeat what it did last year and keep games close. And then Derrick Henry gets game scripted right out of the game. Now I have and huge... and, and Tannehill being bad too, so the oh. offense can't keep up. And yeah, then he gets game scripted out of the game, which it's kind of they all connect together, right? Because he was probably bad because there was no play action. But then eventually you get to a point where you can't run play action because even though play action makes guys bite when they know you're not going to run, it doesn't when they're ahead by. 17 points it doesn't have the same effect at that point when they know for 
for sure you're not going to run. And if you do, they're like, fine, go ahead, run 40 seconds off the clock to get. Yeah. get when you're yards. down by 20 points, it doesn't bother us. Mm-hmm. And I, then on top of that, they they the offensive coordinator for the Titans, whose name escapes me, the last time he was offensive coordinator was for the Raiders in 2017, which was a horrible year for the Raiders. And going forward, what they did in the second half of that game blows my mind. They had a Julio and A.J. Brown running deep routes, knowing Tannehill doesn't have the time to throw those deep routes, and then have Chester Rogers coming across the front. Chester Rogers leads the team in receiving because they're refusing to use their two weapons in the slot because they don't profile slot receivers. But clearly, you need I think to I just run. I, I think I just run bubble screens to AJ Brown, Julio Jones at that point, and then ju- and just see, just do it a couple times because we know, like I, I, I've said a million times, AJ Brown is like the Hulk when he gets the ball in, in the open yeah. field, and then Julio is Julio. So yeah, but I mean that entire Titans offense is a, something I'm very worried about because play action was really their bread and butter and they got by on efficiency for a long time. And that's the reason why they had valuable assets everywhere. And if you can't even use Julio Jones correctly, I just don't know like where that team goes from here. And Derrick Henry is going to be the biggest loss of all of that because he's going to get game scripted out more often mm-hmm. than not. Well, and, and they all, I mean, we, none of us ranked them this way, but I think we all kind of have the underlying fear, like, okay, we've got two receivers in the top 15 and we have a running back in the top five for a lot of people, top 10 for me. And Ryan Tannehill is the guy that's going to get them all there. Like that, you know, Tannehill has been good the last couple of years, but like you said, when you take away that play action, it gets a little more complicated. So there, there was, there was always some downside that I was at least a little bit worried about. Didn't do any rankings adjusting. So not worried enough, but it will We'll see. It's definitely one that I have my eyebrows raised for sure. Yeah. Well, and they're going to be in so many games where you feel like they're going to, they're going to be so frustrating in DFS because they're going to look like, oh, this team's going to get scripted out and I can run them. And it's just not going to work out for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you would have told me they were down 28 points to the Cardinals, I would have told you AJ Brown probably had 20 plus points. Uh, and he barely survived in fantasy off of a touchdown. Yeah. Although, to be fair, it, it does sometimes work out that way and does sometimes uh, just work out that you're getting killed and nothing is working. So all your guys had had bad days. Hello, Atlanta Falcons as well in that regard. Yeah, you think Arthur Smith misses being the Titans and the Titans miss having Arthur Smith after uh, I, I, I was going to say, yeah, if if you made the Arthur Smith point of like, well, Arthur Smith wouldn't have done this. Like, well, Arthur Smith didn't fare much, but he was like running stuff to the fullback in, in week one. So uh wasn't a great week for, for him or the Titans. And uh, yeah, well, I, I'm curious to see how the Titans bounce back because like we talked, like, like you guys were talking about earlier, that division, it, it, it is there. It is there for anybody to, to back in, to, to back into winning it. Yeah. So uh, is this Josh Allen time for you? This is Josh Allen. And I not, and by I'll say by extension, Josh Allen, and by extension, Stefan Diggs. Um, it's just one game, and the Steelers are a very good defense. You know, you can make the argument they're the best in the NFL. So I'm not going to go crazy and say like, oh, I had Josh Allen QB four, he's QB fourteen. Like he he looked terrible. That's not what I'm saying, but it, it's kind of like I was just saying with the Titans. It's like kind of eyebrows raised after this performance. It was on CBS here where I live. And so I had two screens going. I saw every play of that godforsaken game. And, you know, both teams looked bad for, for a lot of it. So that's number one. But number two, like, 
it looked like 2019 Josh Allen. That was not 2020 Josh Allen that we saw. And that, that scares me because I obviously was not in at all on Josh Allen before last season. He made a huge improvement. We said that that was probably going to be his best season. He was probably going to regress this year, but it was ill-advised throws. It was holding it too long and getting stripped twice. One of them he lost. I mean, the Steelers, yes, they have a great front seven. That secondary is not, like, great. Like, there should have been exploitable spots in that secondary for sure. He missed Emmanuel Sanders wide open for a touchdown very early in the game. And he was just spraying it all over the place. Accuracy problems. Beasley had a drop. There was another one where he overthrew him by, like, three yards on, like, a 10-yard pass. It was one of those where it just came out like a cannon and it was like my god he had Beasley had no with with his tiny range of motion had no chance uh, of catching that ball and again yeah not not all his fault the offensive line predictably was bullied by by Pittsburgh so he was dealing with that all game too but it just makes me nervous that he came out and looked that bad right away this season because he was not a guy that I believed in at all before before last year and they as a team had one like real drive that whole game their touchdown was a kick return that got down to like the 35 yard line earlier in the game or it was a field goal they kicked a field goal there they had a real drive for a touchdown and then their field goal at the end of the game was the Steelers just playing you know prevent defense and the Bills going down the field 10 yards at a time when it was a two-score game with you know two or three minutes left so it it, it was just not it was not the best for Josh Allen week one. He threw the ball 51 times, only managed 270 passing yards. And if you looked at his numbers before his last drive, it was something like 43 passes for like 210 yards. Like it it was not good. I think this week I'd rank him probably more in like that seven to eight range. Like guys like Tom Brady, I'd have Brady ahead of him this week, like maybe Justin Herbert as well. And just kind of monitoring the situation, paying close attention to how he looks. And frankly, his accuracy and his decision-making are, are the two. Because there, there was another pass where he threw it deep. I think it was the digs where it's like, and they showed it from the end zone angle. The minute he threw it, it was like in Madden when you run four verts and you just chuck it deep and you know the safety is there. You know the safety is bearing down your receiver, but you just throw it because it's Madden. He he had a throw like that and it didn't get picked off because he threw it like 10 yards over everybody. But it's just, it was not good. It, it was not good. Yeah, I'm not near as concerned as you are. I'd still rank him within the top five weekly right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, first of all, so this is from Ian Hardowitz over at PFF. In the first two drives, four of Josh Allen's receivers were attributed with drops. That's Gabriel Davis, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, and then Devin Singletary were all attributed with drops on his first two drives. And I think that's part of the confidence issues because they came out and they were getting pressured a lot and his guys were not coming to play for him. Then yeah, no, for sure. He, he, he did not get a ton of help for sure. You had he, so he had a 13 yard run and four completions past the sticks nullified by penalties by his offensive line on holdings. Now, obviously a holding does change the play, but that's very frustrating to have those all pulled back by a hold. Um, so those are just two things that like a lot of his decision-making was he was really trying to make plays happen. And it felt like the people around him were the ones that weren't getting the plays to happen. Um, but what was really 
uh, not concerning for me was he was still getting his rushing attempts, especially in the red zone. They didn't look that good because that Steelers offensive line was there to stop them. But that's really where his upside still stands. There was a lot of talk in that offseason about concerns about now that he has a contract, they're not going to want him to run in the red zone. He's going to get hurt. Um, and then just the last thing, that defense, I think – Part of the reason why a lot of people around the league are raising their eyebrows is because we thought the Steelers were just going to flat out suck this year. I mean, there were people going around saying that they were going to be the worst draft in the NFL, that their defense was going to fall apart, and their their pass rush especially just looks absolutely insane. I didn't expect TJ Watt, after not practicing and that contract holdout to come out that well, Melvin Ingram at $3 million is an absolute steal. And Mika Fitzpatrick still is probably the most underrated safety in the NFL. And with all of those things, I think that the Steelers just really game plan well. And there's Josh Hirschmeyer has a pretty good thread on this. Brian Dabble, not, yeah, Brian Dabble for all his worth. And what we love about fantasy is that he spreads out and throws a lot did not help Josh Allen. What he did is he went empty so many times, the Steelers knew they weren't going to run the ball and it was a passing down, and they were just able to abuse Josh Allen on those downs. And yeah. I think a smart coordinator won't do that again, and there might be more, you know, three wide receiver, one back sets, and 11 personnel. I think what I'll say, and again, it's not like I'm going like full-blown panic. I, I just got him down a couple of spots. I was never quite as high as you to begin with, so my couple spots get them lower than if you were down a couple spots. Yeah. So, so there's that too. But I know he's not Mahomes, but if there's a game like this where, yeah, there were definitely mistakes by his guys. But as I pointed out too, there were a lot by him too. In a game like this where the result is is this, what you want for a guy of this caliber, the, the second highest pick quarterback in the league, you want people to be saying, well, they may have lost. It may have been a rough day for him stats wise, but like it was not his fault. Like this guy was making plays like guys just were not helping him out. Like it was partially that. And then partially he was just also bad in a lot of spots. Far cry from like the Mahomes Super Bowl, for example. Yeah, it's but like I don't think fun. you get that out of any quarterback but Mahomes. Oh, I that's really, that. that. I'd That's say. not true. Other, and Tom Brady, obviously. Yeah, well, but, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying to the extent of Mahomes, but there are definitely plenty of, of guys and games where it's like, yeah, they lost, they put up 10 points, but like the quarterback played well. Like, man, what, what are, and that just, that, that wasn't what it was in week one for Josh Allen. That's all I'm saying. I would so agree. You're, you're number two. Uh, my number two, and this one's probably a little lower uh, than we wanted to go, but it's Mike Gusecki, and I probably yeah. am dropping him if I own him. He I, he was taken as a tight end 13, which is why I put him on this list. Because I'm gonna I'm gonna need Gronk to to bring it home for me in my best ball where yeah. Gusecki is my other tight end. Um, because <laughs> he only played on 39% of the team snaps. Durham Smythe played on 71%. And they even um, have uh Sheehan on the COVID list. So like he'll yeah. be back and presumably playing a little bit. And Hunter Long, their rookie, they seem to want to get mixed in. Mm-hmm. Now he, if you're looking for the positives of those snaps, 50% of them were played in the slot. If you're looking for the negative, Will Fuller returns, which means their wide receiver rotation is going to start mixing things up and probably running uh, Fuller, Parker, and Waddle out of the slot more than uh, mm-hmm. you're going to Kaseki because Kaseki is not the athlete of any of those three players. And, I mean, this this offense itself, if you watched – because I watched the Patriots game and I watched it back because 
it's really that game was really complicated in the sense that like no one looked good and then somebody looked good and then no one looked good again. I mean, probably the best player that looked in that game was definitely Jalen Waddle. He was the one who looked like he knew what he was doing, but there were two is and, and, and Damian goals. Harris, but even Damian Harris, his first run was away. well, he fumbled the last run. And his first run was 37 yards through like a, it was like the David Montgomery special, yeah. like gaping hole that that stat pad is there a little bit too, but he did look good. Yeah. And then Tua throws a, just a very yeah. questionable pick <laughs> yeah. and gets bailed out by Damian Harris fumbling the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mac Jones looked good. But if you're a Gasicki owner, I'm not trotting him out this week against the Bills as a guy nope. I want to start. I'm looking elsewhere. I'm picking up like a James O'Shaughnessy. Uh, it, it, I, I don't know who else. Jawan Johnson even. Like, there are just other ways I'm looking for, and I just don't think that he has a place in this offense the way they're wanting to run it right now. Yep. Um, he was drafted, if he was drafted in your league, he was drafted in a spot where if the guy doesn't produce a tight end, you drop him, you move on to the next until you find a guy that sticks, if you ever do find a guy that sticks. And I'd, I'd be dropping him, picking up somebody else, like like you said, one of those guys, or just if there's anybody else tempting. Like, if Jared Cook is on your waivers, he, he ran a lot of routes, was involved the other day. He'd be a guy I'd be looking at too. And I'm not picking up Gaseki again until he – I'm not picking him up until I'm chasing points uh, in that yeah. regard from him. And Durham Smythe is injured along with <laughs> – I don't know why Shahid saw the roster is a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. I'm changing his Twitter bio. I will not comply over the COVID restrictions. <laughs> and just like, come on, man. Like, you infected someone on your team and, like, you're not playing in your That's fair. Game. That's fair. You know, I point out that he's going to be back. He may be back on the COVID list like <laughs> yeah. three times before uh, the season's over. Yeah, that's a whole other question. At least Mike Kosicki's Twitter bio isn't, like, look into the QAnon or something. Like, <laughs> there are some positives. <laughs> Did not think we were going to get a QAnon reference on, on this show, but you know what? That that is what what week one does sometimes. Okay, so you know him, you love him. It's Ronald Jones time. Who (laughs) who else could it be for my last guy? Uh, This one is obvious, but sometimes you just gotta put the obvious guys there and and just bury them. And that's basically what I'm doing with Ronald Jones. I'm not quite burying him, but I I've got the shovel next to his grave. It's there. It's ready. Maybe in like two weeks, uh, I'll return to to put some dirt uh, on top of that coffin. It, I mean, but I think he's starting next week. God, (laughs) You know what? He, he may very well be, and he may very well have 20 points because that's just how it works. But it's Bruce Arians. Uh, We've talked about that plenty. Um, He played six snaps. He obviously had the fumble, never saw the field after that. But even before that, I think what bothers me as much as the fumble, I just didn't think he looked good. Like, I thought last year, like, I've, I've never thought that he's, like, a great player, or even, like, a very good player, but pretty good and better than Fournette. But he didn't look any better than Fournette the other night in his very limited action. Didn't look any faster. I mean, it that – so that was concerning to me, just that he he didn't look good. I was concerned right away when Fournette was the starter. It's like, oh, I just kind of assumed that Ronald Jones was going to be the starter. I don't know why Fournette would be the starter – last week and then you bench Rojo for half the game and now he's your starter next week but that's I guess just a Bruce Arians thing because like when Rojo was healthy last year he started every game but week 17 so that and and also in the playoffs but he started every game but week 17 and he was also banged up during the season then he got COVID late in the year and he had the thigh injury 
that hampered him in the playoffs too. So that's like kind of how Lombardi Lenny actually turned into a thing was, was Rojo was banged up and coming off COVID not too long before that. So I already kind of had alarm bells going off when Fournette was the guy to start the game. And for whatever reason, Fournette makes mistakes and he just gets put right back in there. He has a screen pass go off his face that into a pick that into a pick. Then that screen pass would have got like 30 yards. Like there was nobody over there. Even Fournette would have picked up 30, 40 yards, but Rojo has a fumble literally never heard from again, except for a couple camera shots to a very sad Ronald Jones as the Cowboys went and scored a touchdown right after that fumble. So I, I, Arians, for whatever reason, does not give Rojo that second chance. Like he gives Fournette. Do you know what I think is going on? You Please be start. my guest. Try try to okay. figure out what's going on with this backfield. I beg We're you. We're getting deep in the weeds on this podcast. Do you remember last offseason before Rojo was cut? There were people Fournette, who were yeah. – Yeah, sorry. Before Fournette was cut and then added later to the Bucks, there were fantasy analysts on Twitter touting Fournette in the 3-4 turn as like a guy you want to get because he had the volume. And I – I know we were not those people, mm-hmm. but I think Bruce Arians has a burner fantasy football account <laughs> and was one of those people touting Fournette and wants to make it happen so bad to rub it in everybody else's face that he's just going to run with it. And they're going to trot Fournette out there every week. And who cares if he's doing two yards of carry and can't catch a ball? He's going to get some points and they're going to run the volume. Oh, it, it It's annoying, but you can't even like – you can't even like say that, oh, Rojo looks so much better. He should be playing more. It's like, well, he didn't look very good and he fumbled. So I've just, I, they were on my do not draft list that, that backfield anyway, although I have Geo and Dynasty, but Dynasty's a little bit different, a lot later, a lot deeper in, in that draft. And, and they do have Geo, who he didn't get hardly any playing time the other night. I, I still do think he's going to get more and more playing time as the season goes on because he, I mean, he made a couple huge plays on, on that last drive of the game he's just like he's gonna turn himself into the guy that brady can trust out of that backfield i think so yeah real joe if i were doing rankings this week i think he'd be like in the mid to late 40s i have no interest in in starting him even if bruce arians allegedly does yeah and so this will be the one time he goes for an 80 yard touchdown or it, something. It, exactly actually 99 yard touchdown that's what yeah, it did that's last, what year, it was last year yep so didn't didn't think rojo could hurt me anymore but he he still somehow is um Yep. Uh, James Robinson is an, is an honorable mention in this category for me. I'd be remiss if I didn't, didn't say that Carlos Hyde, like kind of looked like the better running back, which was very concerning. Um, any quick James Robinson thoughts, Dalton? Uh, Urban Meyer thoughts. <laughs> um, so but, James, but, but Carlos Hyde looked pretty good. So it's like, it, it's, it's just like, well, compared like, to Robinson. Like Robinson looked bad. He didn't well, look like good. Robinson got thirty-seven percent of the carries, and Carlos Hyde got sixty-three percent. And this Houston Texans team, I can say without a doubt, is a bad team. I know that, and I know deep in my heart that they are a very bad NFL team. One and zero, and they are one and zero. But here's the thing: J- Urban Meyer comes out with this weird passing, like like we want to have Trevor Lawrence throw the ball a lot. And it, it goes badly because it's the NFL and Trevor Lawrence is adjusting to it. Then when you're down, you start running the ball with Carlos Hyde. And it's almost like he just wanted to give his guy a tryout because James Robinson's getting split out wide in these weird setups. And they're still running DJ Chark as the wide receiver one when he has 12 targets and three catches. And LaVisca Chenault is running the lowest eight out plays and is breaking the most tackles on the team. 
Nothing Urban Meyer did in that game made sense. And then you're getting Moss 90 yards on the field by Tyrod Taylor and Brandon Cooks when Tyrod <laughs> Taylor a, doesn't a even have a deep ball. That was a heck of a catch by, by Brandon Cooks. All right, glad we got that out there. Glad you got that off your chest. That I didn't realize that was such a such a hot topic for you. But start to the week. Let's see if we if we mixed it up this week at all. I think we probably did. I picked one that I didn't think you were going to pick. I've got Melvin Gordon uh, down this week. And I think if, you, if you've got Melvin Gordon, you probably didn't draft him as a starter. Or if you did, you went receiver heavy and kind of took your, your RB2 later. If you've got Gordon, I think you're starting him while you can. And this week against these uh, aforementioned Jacksonville Jaguars, I think you definitely can. I think you, you start Javante Williams too. But Williams was higher in the in the draft rankings to where you probably like have to start him. Gordon is more borderline just from a roster uh, perspective for most teams, I would guess. Um, Denver, like Williams didn't look to me like an undeniable guy where it's like Denver has to find a way to get this guy 75% of the touches like ASAP. I, I don't think that's the situation. I think this is going to linger for at least a little while and – I know 70 of the 100 yards and a touchdown came on the one run late in the game, but he still had decent volume, looked pretty decent. And obviously like that run counts, like it still very much counts. And it was like the game was not, was like pretty much over, but that was the nail in the coffin was that run right there. And like I said, they play the Jags who looked like the worst team in the NFL in week one. They turned Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, and even David Johnson and the guys that like people are considering adding and playing this week, if that tells you anything. I, I think both guys can have very nice games. And and Gordon, just at, because of value it, where he was drafted, is more borderline, but I, I, I say fire him up this week. Yeah, well, they both were exactly 50% offensive snaps, so mm -hmm. it's a true half-and-half half committee they have there. And you just don't punish a guy for having a long run like that, you, you know? You want those in fantasy football. Um, so I had two starts of the week. One of them was Tim Patrick, who I'm just going to skip over because he's on the same team. But one My thing – Tim Patrick, let's go. The Jaguars last season and now yesterday – or sorry, on Sunday – have allowed eight 100-yard games to wide receiver ones. And Tim Patrick is the wide receiver one right now. I think Cortland Sutton's still banged up, and K.J. Hamler is just not the guy to do that. And obviously, um, obviously Jerry Judy um, out for a while, too. The thing about Tim Patrick is, like, every time he gets a chance, he always has, like, four for 45 and a touchdown. It's never, like, great, but it's always, like, I'll take those 11 points every week, buddy, every yeah. week. Uh, but my other start of the week, since we kind of talked about the Broncos, is Justin Herbert. And I think this is a matchup you're going to target all year long. The Cowboys, the over in that game is 55 and a half. Seems a little rich for me. But then you get the news that Demarcus Lawrence broke his foot in practice and Randy Gregory's on the COVID list. So last week, Justin Herbert was already the least pressured quarterback in all of football. And this week, yeah. I will be remiss if he gets pressure and he pushed the ball downfield so much last week. Uh, he had completions on third down of 18, 19, and 24 yards. He's just willing to throw the deep ball. And Mike Williams is finally running intermediate routes. And Keenan Allen is getting a lot of good good looks. And I, for what it's worth for Eckler owners, it just seems he doesn't give two <laughs> shots checking the ball down. So Austin Eckler got zero well, Johnny, you're going to have to censor that one on the podcast. <laughs> I am an Eckler owner. Um, <laughs> but it's just at that point, Justin Herbert looks like a lock for a great game against what is one of the worst defenses in football right up there with the Jaguars in the Dallas Cowboys. So 
I don't know about a 55 and a half uh, over only, I think it's like 14 games since 2000 have had that number and only four or five of them have hit. And I'm sure one of them is like the chiefs Rams games, which those offenses feel more high octane than these two. But yeah, I, I, I considered Mike Williams as, as star of the week kind of in that same vein. So I, I'm definitely with you. Herbert last week only had, I'm looking at it 14.38 fantasy points, QB 26, but we didn't expect him to have a, a great week last week against that defense. He played well, even if his numbers weren't weren't huge. He also had the the fumble that the weird fumble that that, that kind of yeah. hurt that kind of hurt his day too. But yeah, I'm I'm with you on Herbert uh, on Star of the Week for sure. My sit of the week and a guy that I intentionally left off the stock report because I knew he was going to be down there in my sit of the week, and he's probably like one of the guys that I'm most concerned about after after week one that's Robbie Anderson so Robbie Anderson three targets one reception just happened to be like a 54 57 yard touchdown so it makes his day look good but his nine percent target share was five percent lower than any of his games last year so not great he was up and down from a production standpoint last year but the volume was such every week where you just kind of had to trot him out there even when he went in that slump because it was just like eventually it, it's going to happen for this guy because it was earlier in the year. Now I, I mean they've got McCaffrey obviously like fully healthy and back. Sam Darnold is a very different quarterback than than Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe Sam Darnold just thinks that the only time you can throw it to to Robbie Anderson is is on the go route because that's what they did in New York and and that's what happened the other day basically. And so I have season-long concerns there. And then just we're talking about this week uh, specifically, they play the Saints, uh, a team that's got a very good defense, a team that Robbie Anderson did not fare very well against last year, a team that most guys don't fare very well against, quite frankly, offensively. So, I mean, you're firing up DJ Moore, you're firing up Christian McCaffrey, obviously, but not Robbie, Robbie Anderson. I'm, I think I've got to, I've got to see more volume before I feel comfortable with, with him and I'm not doing it in a bad matchup this week. Yeah, well, and it looks like Terrace Marshall took that slot role from him, which brought his A dot down last season. And that's really concerning because if he's just running these fly routes with a quarterback who doesn't like to throw those, um, and then just there's just a better offensive weapon, well, two at least on that team in DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. So you're probably looking for a lot of up and down weeks with him going forward. And he's probably just going to go back to that boomer bust guy. I did see a stat, I don't know exactly, but him and DJ Moore basically had their ADOTs from last season flipped. And all of a sudden, Robbie Anderson is back to running much higher ADOTs. And DJ Moore is running intermediate and short routes, which just benefit fantasy players a lot better unless you're in a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, and, and it not. just and it just makes sense because like I like Robbie Anderson and was happy that he was doing that last year. But like DJ Moore is a, a better player than Robbie Anderson. Absolutely. Yeah. So my set of the week is Brandon Ayuk. Just kidding. <laughs> if you own him, you're sitting him. I really hope you follow any of the news. Um, I went with the Falcons running backs. I mm-hmm. kind of want to go with every Falcon here. Uh, but we, we, gonna... we can just continue the trend of you sit every running back who plays the Bucks. Like yeah. Zeke, you started him, but you, you probably should have sat him. But you, know, you can't really do that. But yeah, the, the, the Bucks just not a friendly matchup. No, and you, you can watch last week and there's – the running backs for Atlanta were probably the only bright spot in that game, unless you're looking deep and like you see Kyle Pitts running out wide in slots. But Cordero Patterson had the most 10-yard runs of anybody in the league, which 
didn't expect that to happen in week one. Um, but <laughs> you're just not playing them. Mike Davis and Cordero Patterson aren't world beaters at running back, and they're going to get completely obliterated and shut down by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that rookie left guard for Atlanta is might be the worst offensive line starter in the NFL. <laughs> he so uh, Brandon Thorne on Twitter went back and rewatched the game. Normally, pancakes occur when offensive linemen stop a defensive lineman. He was pancaked five times by a defensive <laughs> lineman who graded in the bottom third of PFF. I mean, he's going up against Nagdamakin Sue and I, Levante David and some of the best pass rushers of the NFL. Oh, I am, and then and, and Vita 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 and Bay. Vita Bay, who was double teamed against the Cowboys and still getting to the deck. I am very concerned about Matt Ryan this week as, as a health perspective because <laughs> he is going to get obliterated. Watch the left guard. I'm I'll send I'll retweet it on Twitter so people can see it. But that left guard just does not look like he should play an NFL snap. Yeah. Um never against the the trend of not playing running backs there uh, against the bucks there's a reason why the cowboys were like yeah we're throwing the ball 58 times and handing it off 14 in this game it's just Dax on pace for 6500 yards <laughs> beat your words evans 6800 yards i think <laughs> seems seems uh, like a totally he's going to throw for almost 7000 yards Jameis is going to have 85 touchdowns that mvp race between those two is going to be great well Jameis is going to do it on incredible efficiency as well and also zero interceptions on pace for zero interceptions too <laughs> and aaron rodgers is on pace for about 30 fantasy points on the season uh yeah whatever three times 17 that's not <laughs> yeah. not not much more what is a 51 51 I did see a funny stat. Uh, spiking the ball to the ground is 39.6 QBR if you do that entire game. Aaron Rodgers had a 32.6 QBR. So according to ESPN's QBR stat, uh, the Packers were better just spiking it every play than having Aaron Rodgers throw the ball. Yeah, well, I also think QBR had Teddy Bridgewater ahead of Patrick Mahomes. So a little little flawed, uh, little flawed stat, but yes. Just uh, another notch on the shoulder for Mahomes. <laughs> the... The, the point is well taken. And that is going to do it for us on episode 46 of the Half Point Per Podcast. I don't have to give you all of the links or or hashtags or, or ads or anything anymore. Go to the pod description. Click the link tree. You can find everywhere. You can listen to us, follow us, watch us, what read us, what, whatever you want. It, it's in that link. And we will probably not talk to you guys this weekend i think the first live stream will be next weekend but we will for sure be back for a fun week two podcast next week